Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Alan, this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month we're discussing book 38, I Shall Wear Midnight. Oh, it's very good. It's quite a good one. Yeah. Let me tell you what happens. Mm -hmm. Tiffany faces the cunning man. That doesn't really say what the cunning man is. Oh, come on now. These abbreviated mm. summaries have never been about details. No, but the that's sort of like, it's a new concept. It's not like trolls where it's like, yeah, you know, trolls. Like trolls. Okay. How would you have summarized this book then? Mm. In three words or less. I'd probably have put something in about the concept of um, witch finding. Okay, like, but that like that, exceeds, that exceeds our mandate of no words. I would probably say Tiffany fights the cunning man, a witch hunter. Meh. More clear. So, okay. This is, at the time when I, well, like, when I read this when it came out, mm -hmm. I think I liked it. I don't, I did not you, remember a you, thing about it. Your experience reading this was almost like you were reading it for the first time. Yeah, so much of this seemed new to me, but mm -hmm. when we got to the end, it was like, well, I do remember the end because mm -hmm. I remember thinking this is the last Tiffany book because everything was sort of wrapped up yeah, in a it, nice, neat bow. It felt like the end of the series. Like and she's coming to her own. Yeah. yeah, there is one more after this and I'm glad, but like, it definitely felt like, because yeah, she's, this is like, I, I even wrote this down. The previous one felt like her puberty book. Mm -hmm. And this definitely felt like she's now a grown up. Everyone right. treats her like a grown up. She is now afforded all of the, like, like, you know, she's, she's, a, she's got a steading at the end of this. Yeah. And she's a medieval peasant girl. Mm -hmm. So she's 15 or 16, but that still makes her a grown up. Right. And she takes on a grown up's responsibilities. Right. And she's full on like delivering babies, helping people die. The, the hardest witch mm -hmm. stuff. Her dad treats her like, She's a grown up. Yep. He respects the hell out of her. I love their relationship. Their relationship's very good. Yes, it is. And uh, she she gets a setting. Like at mm -hmm. the end of this, she yeah. she goes back to the chalk and she's there and she faces up to Roland, who's now the new Baron. Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone's, just like her grandmother. Yeah, did. everyone's talking about her the same way they talk about Granny Aching. Mm -hmm. So she's really sort of come into her own in this. And she's so, again only sixteen, mm -hmm. which is you know great. I think. Yeah. And it it could have just ended here. And again, I'm glad it doesn't. No, because the next one's quite good as well. But yes, and this, it's the final book of the series. So. This could very well, he could have intended this to be the last. It felt like yeah. the last book. Yeah, but uh, we get some really interesting uh, connective tissue to one of the very earliest mm -hmm. books. We get some connective tissue to some sort of the middle watch books. Mm -hmm. Like she goes to the city. There's a, there's a lot of Discworld in this. And it's weird because... At one point, I thought of this as a very separate, like, right. s like parallel, lives in the same world, but isn't really... Not connected. Yeah. Connected, but not exactly a part of the tapestry in the same way. Just sort of a side project. Well, it's fairly distant. Like, the chalk is far from everything, and the two things don't really touch yeah, that much. No more than Lanker is in all the witch books. Yeah, but a lot of the Lanker books are about leaving Lanker and going mm, elsewhere. I guess so. Mm -hmm. But even still, it felt like, I don't know why I thought this, probably because at the time there was a lot made of these being marketed as young adult books. Right. And I feel like they were marketed that way. And maybe I just bought into that. They're not that different, though. They're very like. And there's a lot more sex talk in these books. Honestly, than, than, in, than in the main series, I yeah. would say. But I. Like when we did, when we were talking about doing the show, I was like, should we do the Tiffany books sort of after everything mm -hmm. else? And I'm glad we're doing them concurrently as they came out because there are things in this that feed on things right. from other books. And there are things like there's, there's sort of consistent, like consecutive narrative that's happening that we would miss out on if we did it that way. So these books are very much part of the series and I love them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this had some problems. It wasn't a perfect book. But after Unseen Academicals, it's oh, yeah. significantly after, better. After Unseen Academicals and Making Money. Yeah. Making Money more of a disappointment than a bad book. Unseen Academicals, just a bad book. Yeah. And it's like, oh, is he losing it? Is he losing his touch? No, because no. this one's, this book is quite good. And this is, uh, there's a few, like I say, there's a few problems with it, but it's, well, it's very, it's a very enjoyable read. It's got that same pacing thing mm -hmm. that his later, he's always paced his books weird and that's fine. Yeah. But 
for him. I'm trying to hold him to his own standard. I'm comparing, like, for the last year, this is mostly what I've read. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a lot of time to read much else, so I'm mostly comparing it to other Terry Pratchett. I just read all of Pride and Prejudice yesterday. I don't know what you're talking about. Right, but you read a lot more than I do. But right now, the time that I usually use to consume audiobooks is used for these, so I haven't had time to read anything else. Yeah, we're almost done. I don't, what are we going to do then? I don't know, resume our lives. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, I like this life, though. But Should we just go through them again? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We'll just... No, because we had to start at The Color of Magic. If the first one was very good, I would say, yeah, okay. But Go but through... No. We can just do another yeah. podcast that's us going through Terry Pratchett's Discworld books, except A only second the ones time? we like. Yeah, well, yeah, that would be okay. <laughs> so with this month, we're reading one-third of Reaper Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it definitely had the pacing issues. So this kind of takes me to my bad thing. Yes. The Cunning Man was such a good idea for a villain. Let's talk about what he is. Okay. And then can sort of continue All on All right, well, that. go ahead. So the Cunning Man is the spirit of a witch finder. Like, not like Miss Tick, who goes out to find witches, but yeah, like to prior, hunt and kill them. Prior to this, Terry Pratchett played around with the idea mm-hmm. of like witch finders and witch trials mm-hmm. and all of the things that were horrible here. He's like, no, people love witches, and yeah. those things don't mean that here. But now he's decided that they do. Right, and he was uh, an Omnian, because we'd had mm-hmm. that previously, where in Omnia, they... Back yeah, before, b- before Brother, Rutha, they yeah. were they were fire and brimstone Christians, yeah. basically. And so they hunted witches, and so they had this one witch hunter who's like the best witch hunter. Mm-hmm. And he fell in love with a witch... Uh, because mm-hmm. she was exceptionally beautiful. And because she was a witch, instead of like playing up to him, she roasted him, mm-hmm. basically, and used her magic to do that. And his spirit was so like tore up about it mm-hmm. that he comes back once once a generation or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he puts all of these bad ideas about witches into people's heads. Uh, and the like the best witch of that generation has to sort of fight him and figure out a way to defeat him. And if they, if she doesn't, uh, then witches are seen badly right in in the world until like, till the next time around. And I thought that was a great idea and, and it loomed large for most of the book. It was this great, force that was like it would get in it would get in her head briefly Mm -hmm. and she would just turn mean and people Mm -hmm. around her and it almost felt like a danger a few times but Mm -hmm. he always sort of backed away from that it was like the angry mob is moving on her and then it fizzles out nothing happens someone saves her or she like tricks her way out of it or like a big part of the plot involves uh roland Mm -hmm. who we'll get into more Mm -hmm. in, in a minute but uh, he's he's dating someone else now, and mm-hmm. he's affianced to someone else mm-hmm. now, and her mother is terrible. Mm-hmm. And her mother is this sort of terrible, like, abuses the help kind of mm-hmm. just awful, like, she reminded She's me- She's a real Karen. Yeah. And yeah. I, like, I loved that. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly she just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of ramping up for some really interesting stakes and then just sort of like, eh, never mind, everything's fine. Yeah, if this book had had- a little more danger and a little more satisfying yes. payoff, it would be would have been A plus. That's the thing. If she had if her life had been threatened mm-hmm. or if her livelihood had been threatened or if her family had been threatened, like none there was always the promise it was going to happen, but yeah. it never did. And then she faces him in like three pages and it's over. And it's like, what was that? And I actually like the way that she the way that she did end up facing him made sense. Yes. Because what she does is she uses uh, some knowledge of the country of something that like a tradition that they use in the country and she uses her sort of like rural mm-hmm. magic mm-hmm. that is uniquely Tiffany's. Yes. Uh, she marries uh, Roland to Letitia. Yeah, this happens on like their wedding day. It hasn't yeah. happened yet. And so she, she actually does... technically performs the ceremony. Yeah, she does like an old country mm-hmm. wedding for them, which makes the ground they're standing on consecrated. Right. Which is a very Tiffany kind of thing. Like every day is the ground, holy. The, yeah, but yeah, also like the land. If if this day is not holy, what day possibly could be? Like right. all of that kind of stuff from the, from and, the previous book. And it's a nice sort of conclusion to her getting over Roland. Yeah. Like, I have now married you to your new wife. Obviously, I'm okay with this now. Right. And she uses, like, the, the there's a fire that's being set um, to to uh, 
like sort of clear out a field mm-hmm. before the replanting, which is something she understands and she knows about mm-hmm. uh, because that's where she grew up. And it's using fire, which is something she's good at and something that's the cunning man scared of because uh, the, the original witch like burned him to death. Right. So it, it that's very neat and satisfying. But it, but it felt all goes like, by very quickly. It felt like there should have been some more steps. Like she should have had to strip some of his power before this would work or something. Yeah, it and, just sort of happened. And like, I don't want that tired old Hollywood you beat the villain and then he crawls mm-hmm. back up out of the cliff and mm-hmm. he's like, ah, you haven't killed me yet. I've got one more. Like, no. And but... I don't want the fucking last 17,000 hours of Harry Potter where there's yeah. sadness camping looking no. for the, like looking for his black heart. No, it's just, but it. It was rushed. And it was one of those times where we listened to the audiobook in our home mm-hmm. and I walked to the kitchen to get something mm-hmm. to eat and I came back and it was like, wait, I, I did over. We got re- to rewind. I seriously didn't hear maybe a minute and 30 mm-hmm. seconds, like not much. Because I, if I if I tune out for more than what would be a couple of pages, I always like pause it. And I came back and the climax was like, that's it? I missed it because I got some chicken fingers? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> And it's such a good idea for a mm-hmm. villain. All of her antagonists have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. And like the the Queen of the Elves and the Hiver mm-hmm. and the Wintersmith and this guy, they're all they've all been solid but and different from each other. Yes. But also the same. Like right. in, in a this feels on brand way, not right. in a repetitive way. Just in a she always fights these Forces. sort of Yes, and sort of fairy tale mythical mm-hmm. like in a way that is very different from any other hero in discord like granny does to some extent but it's more like vampires Mm -hmm. elves like sort of all of it whereas tiffany's is very more personal and like one one figure among these people and and yeah he what the cunning man did was took people who loved tiffany and who trusted her and turned them against her and that had such promise she didn't know what to do with that right because if you're a witch respect is everything and she yeah. lost respect also this is where she grew up these are the people who yeah even before she became a witch they loved her who know her mm-hmm. and they wouldn't like there was a sequence and it was heartbreaking where uh tiffany's dad is says that people aren't buying her cheeses mm-hmm. and that's her thing like she's good with cheeses and they won't oh there's a... they hate her because she's a witch there's a great bit where um, her little brother, mm-hmm. Wentworth, who, you know, the very first pages mm-hmm. of the first book is just this screaming snot machine, yeah. is now like a young teenager or something getting in fights at school because people are saying mean things about his sister, the witch, and he just won't fucking stand for it. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And he's, they said you were a witch. It's like, well, I, I am a witch. Not like the way they say. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But... So much of that happened sort of off screen. We didn't get a lot of direct confrontation. We mostly heard about it. And it's like, if we'd seen more angry mobs, if Mm -hmm. we'd seen, what if her family had turned against her? Right. What if her father, who's, again, that relationship is really sweet and really great. And we could have started out with him supporting her. Yes. Oh, God, the scene in Wintersmith where he throws his coat on the fire and they grab him before he throws himself in the fire. Like, that's so good. No, and there's there's bits in this. There's a there's a, a bit that I had highlighted mm-hmm. where it, it was something to the effect of at one point she gets thrown in jail. Not mm-hmm. really though. It never really feels like anything. Right. And uh, basically, it's if if Mister Aching found out that she was in jail, even if it was just like in with some goats, mm-hmm. the that uh, uh, the Baron would need a whole lot more guards. Yeah. And because he's he would storm the castle himself. He the thing is, the witching passed from Granny Aching to Tiffany. Mm-hmm. But it had to go through him. He still got a lot of that that power, that willfulness. Like men aren't really witches, and and he he wouldn't have been one anyway. He's a farmer. He's a, he's a shepherd. But still, but his he's the land. The way yeah, he's a, his mother's son. Yeah, the way like the king is supposed to be the land. Yes, like he's. They talk about how you know the Baron, like Roland, now is you know he protects the land and he is a land and uh-huh. all that and that's true but it's only by arrangement with the achings it's it's a good spin on the sort of tired old gag in Ankh-Morpork with the university in Vetinari mm-hmm. we do this because we let you do this not because it's like you have any power over right. us it's it's a mutual understanding and I like that um 
So, okay, let's talk about the old Baron. Okay, yes. The old Baron dies in this book. He's been he's been on death's door for quite some time. In in the previous book, he was near death the entire time, yeah. and his sisters were like terrorizing Roland. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was pretty good. And Tiffany's been taking care of him, keeping him, like, keeping the pain away. She learned in the previous book, she asked Granny to show her how to take pain away. That was the reckoning. That was the price that she demanded of Granny because Tiffany did tricks for her to show off how great Granny was. Yes. Um, And which was very good. Yes. And now she knows this. And there's some, there's a great runner where a few people ask her, particularly Mm -hmm. after the Baron dies because they're filled with grief. Mm-hmm. But there's another point as well where it comes up where it's like, can you take away this kind of pain? And she's like, I can, but I won't. Mm-hmm. I absolutely won't. And I, I don't ask me that again. That is a terrible thing to ask me. Do not ask me that. She also says, she also talks about the Kelda who has something called the soothings, mm-hmm. which is it doesn't take the pain away forever. It just sort of like Makes settles you it happy down. And, for, yeah. just, to, just for a little while to give you, you time to get your shit together. Right. And she, Tiffany says, and Tiffany never says this, that she doesn't know how to do them and she won't ask because the magic's too deep for her. She, right. It's, and Tiffany is the greatest witch yeah, of, her generation. of her generation. And for her, she's like, no, it's, but it's emotional pain. It's, it's too much. I can't there's, learn this. There's a concept that comes up in Star Trek mm-hmm. constantly that humans need their pain yeah. that that people need to suffer and it's always everyone should leave the nexus cuz living in a perfect fuck orgy is not the way that we but, should just do things but it's always presented so like glibly that mm-hmm. i never really got it i mm-hmm. never like i understand the deep sentiment of it but i was never I, I didn't really believe it in in those stories but here i believe it like she thinks people need to feel their pain mm-hmm. it's an important part of their process it's some, it was part of the last season of the good place that actually did yes. work for me where I, where they were talking about you know what just happens. being in in paradise forever and that's it isn't enough that's what right. you mean yeah exactly yeah. and that was something that like i say in star trek the concept always felt to me like fuck you no i'm gonna go live in the nexus and have my perfect day forever Eat yeah a dick uh, but I got it in the good place and I get it in this. Yeah, Tiffany, like, and it comes up in a lot of different ways. It mm-hmm. comes up anytime something big and sad happens, mm-hmm. she deals with it. She deals with her pain and she moves on. She cries, mm-hmm. she she processes her grief, and then she fucking gets on with the work in front of her. Well, there was a scene in the other book where she talked about crying because it was a necessary thing. Yeah. It was a thing that you had it's to do. It's your list of things yeah. to do, and that's a very Granny Weatherwax way to look mm-hmm. at it, but healthier. Mm-hmm. Because Granny just wouldn't. Yes. Yeah. She'd just bottle it up forever. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a, a wonderful conversation that she has. This mm-hmm. is this is my this is my good thing. This is my favorite part of this book. And Tiffany and the Baron have got to know each other better because she's com- she comes once a week to help him with yeah, his pain. To take his pain. So the, whereas before they didn't really have much of a connection, she knew who he was, but right. she knew him through uh, granny aching right because uh, granny aching always sort of stood up to him yeah there's the famous story yeah. of her telling him off yeah but um famously like in this series this is this came up in uh the first tiffany book and it came up subsequently she rescued roland mm-hmm. and co- the the story and again mm-hmm. we talked about this a lot the story could not be that she went in with a frying pan yeah, and a rescued little girls Roland. couldn't yeah. save because he's you know, the Baron's son. Yeah. He will one day be the Baron. He can't suffer the indignity of people knowing that a little girl came and rescued right. him. But we find out in this book, the old Baron knew. Right. He he's found known, out. He's known for quite some time. And it turned out he knew because um, Tiffany's father yeah. came and told him because he couldn't mm-hmm. handle it. Mm-hmm. Like, Tiffany told him, like, no, it's not about that. Don't worry about yeah. it. I don't need the credit. I mean, he and doesn't care. He couldn't handle it because, yeah. no, Tiffany did this. But... The whole scene is just so beautiful and it's such a good like Pratchett firing on all cylinders doing like it's so economical because it does so many mm-hmm. things. It's heartbreaking in and of itself. It's just a great scene by itself with no extra baggage. But, but you're right. It's it's a ter- it's a quintessential Terry yeah. Pratchett scene. It this also, is such the heart of this book. It also shows Tiffany doing that thing we always hear witches doing, which is helping the dead die. We haven't actually seen we've seen a little of mm-hmm. it. We've seen Granny do it once or twice, mm-hmm. but that's about it. We haven't I don't think we've ever seen Tiffany do it. 
not to this extent. And it's certainly. an important part of being a witch. It's yes. one of the things yes. about being a it witch. It always comes up yeah. when he goes through the laundry list of what witches do, but we don't see it happen that much. And it was nice to get And this is by far the best. Like, we've oh, seen yeah. Granny do it a little bit, but this is by far the best yeah. version of it. it. It does that, and it shows that Tiffany's, like, fully capable of mm-hmm. handling this, this hardest of tasks. And it corrects that injustice from way back in the first book. Like, it... it handles a lot of narrative chores it handles a lot of character development things and it's also just beautiful that's the thing is it even if it didn't do any of those scenes yes it would still be amazing on its own and this is my quote and it's it's pretty long just go for it though it's so good this is this is like the end this is the very end when he dies upset me good gracious no i'm not upset he tried to pull himself upright in the chair and pointed toward the fire with a trembling finger I am, in fact, set up. I feel alive. I am young, my dear Miss Tiffany Aching. I remember that perfect day. Can you not see me down in the valley? A perfect crisp September day? A little boy in the tweed jacket that was far too itchy, as I recall. Yes, it was far too itchy and smelled of wee. And my father was singing the larks they sang melodious. And I was trying to harmonize, which of course I couldn't do because I had about as much voice as a rabbit. And we were watching them burn the stubbles. There was smoke everywhere as the fire swept along. Mice, rats, and even foxes were running toward us away from the flames. Pheasants and partridges were taking off like rockets at the last minute, as they do. And suddenly there was no sound at all, and I saw this hare. Oh, she was a big one. Do you know that country people used to think that all hares were female? And she just stood there looking at me, with bits of burning grass falling around us and the flames behind her. And she was looking directly at me. And I will swear that when she knew she had caught my eye, she flicked herself into the air and jumped straight into the fire. And of course, I cried like anything because she was so fine. And my father picked me up and said he'd tell me a little secret. He taught me the hair song so I would know the truth of it and stop crying. And then later on, we walked over to the ashes and there was no dead hair. The old man turned his head awkwardly toward her and beamed. He really beamed. He shone. Where is that coming from? Tiffany wondered. It's too yellow for firelight, but the curtains are shut. It's always too gloomy in here, but now it is the light of crisp September day. I remember doing a crayon picture of it when we got home, and my father was so proud of it. He took it around all the castle so everyone could admire it, the old man went on, as enthusiastic as a boy. A child's scrawl, of course, but he talked about it as if it were a work of genius. Parents do such things. I found it among his documents after he died, in fact. If you're interested, you will find a leather folder within the money chest. It is, after all, a precious thing. I never told anyone else that, said the baron. People and days and memories come and go, but that memory has always been there. No money that I could give you, Miss Tiffany Aching, who is the witch, could ever repay you for bringing back to me that wonderful vision, which I shall remember until the day I... For the moment, the flames on the fire stood still, and the air was cold. Tiffany was never actually sure that she saw death. Not actually saw. Perhaps in some strange way it had all happened inside her head. Though wherever he was, he was... Well, he was there. Wasn't that appropriate, said Death. Tiffany didn't step back. There was no point. Did you arrange that? Much as I would like to take the credit, other forces are at work. Good morning to you, Miss Aching. Death left, and the Baron followed, a little boy in his new tweed jacket, which was terribly itchy and sometimes smelled of wee, following his father across the smoking field. Then Tiffany placed her hand on the dead man's face, and with respect closed his eyes where the light of the burning fields was dimming. Oh, so sad. Yes. But sad in a nice way. Mm Mm-hmm. No, it it was very, very good. And it also echoes a theme a a recurring symbol that comes up repeatedly it had already come up at this point and it comes up again the hair running through the fire that's what the trick that tiffany uses at the end to defeat like to help defeat the cunning man and there's things throughout the book that keep reminding her of this and there's this great bit about is this an omen Mm -hmm. well everything's an omen but which omens do you choose to recognize and a witch is a point of being a witch is to pick the best omens and right. pick your own omens. It's not to pick the correct ones. Yeah. The... It's all headology. Yeah. It's all baffo. It's all, this is what I need it to be, so this is what it is. And I love all that. Yep. And there's a sequence in this where um, she comes head to head with Roland mm-hmm. and pulls out the silver horse that he got mm-hmm. her uh, because he kept denying her and telling her that she was a bad witch and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And um, at the end of the book, she's got a new necklace uh, that comes from Preston, who is her new better boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a hair that he has made for her. Yes. And it's, it's again, it does so much work because it's, you know, you're, adolescent crush versus mm-hmm. your sort of first teenage sweetheart and it's um 
it's her showing Roland like this is what we used to be Mm -hmm. and it's also her having this like this new connection right and the horse meant so much to her in previous books and now you get the feeling that the hair is going to mean yeah this much to her now no in in fact we'll get a we'll get a Mm -hmm. very solid confirmation that it will continue to mean Mm -hmm. something to her but we'll talk about that in a minute um I guess let's talk about Roland because they always like it it comes up a bit in previous books. It comes up a lot here. She keeps saying we weren't we didn't really have anything in common except for the fact that we were both sort of powerful people in the village that had no other friends and we kind of yep. came together that way. But at the same time, it feels so hard like she's trying to convince herself that there were no feelings there, but she's so upset that she, that he's but, with someone yep. else now. And she was upset when he like was going to parties and stuff without her in the previous book yes, as well. Very much so. Um, and it turns out that Letitia, uh, Roland's, uh, wife by the end of the book. Yeah. Um. Who is nobility and the kind of person he should be marrying as a baron. Uh, it turns out that she, uh, really was very, uh, nervous and jealous of Tiffany Uh because Roland spent so much time talking about Tiffany and how, you know, marvelous and adventurous and all of this stuff she was. And one of the ways that the cunning man gets pulled in is Letitia, Letitia, who turns out is a witch. Yeah, there's some nice playing around with tropes because Mm -hmm. she's the pretty princess Mm -hmm. with the long blonde hair and she wants to be a witch. Mm -hmm. And Tiffany's always been the plain girl with Mm -hmm. the brown hair who became a witch, but because she kind of had to at first. When she was little, she saw it that way. Both of them are coming at it from different ends and both of Mm -hmm. them turned out had the same storybook, which was sort of what taught them like, well, I guess I have to be a pretty princess. There's also some good, very subtle groundwork mm-hmm. being laid. We got this in the previous book with Nut. Mm-hmm. With, we thought he was a goblin mm-hmm. and he was an orc. And in this, the scary thing they see in the book mm-hmm. is a goblin. There's a there's a, a big plot coming with like... Uh, and I think there was a... Like, I think they've talked about the scary book. I think Vimes... Could be. Either has or will talk about the scary book as well. But it's it's nice because... Goblins like and and the prejudice against mm-hmm. them is going to be a huge part of one of the, the the next books, and it's nice to sort of subtly feel that happening. Anyway, you were saying Letitia. Letitia casts a spell on Tiffany uh, to like. I wish people wouldn't like her so much, basically. Uh-huh. And uh, it gets way out of hand. Yes, and that's that wasn't her intention, but it's just one of the ways that the cunning man gets right. in. Mm-hmm. Like what really sort of draws his attention is Tiffany kissing the Wintersmith. Right. So th- its consequences from that like doing that big magic and that's something that the witches talk about a lot is when you do a big magic there are consequences yeah and people take notice not just other witches but But, other things take notice also there's there's some interesting bits where letitia's got a a library Mm -hmm. and as we know in the disc world like when books come together Mm -hmm. things get weird and magic-y and there's some amplification or what Mm -hmm. like it it felt a bit like hand wavy star trek techno babble but at the same time it also was like yeah okay i could i could see that but with the cunning man coming in uh like that like i say that was that was letitia letting him in right and one of the ways that the cunning man coming affected things is it he turned Roland against Tiffany. Right. And Tiffany found this to begin with like inconceivable. Like she was not entirely over the fact that he had, you know, right. moved on from her. And there's a great sequence where she's talking to Letitia about it and said, you know, I, I've come to realize that we weren't actually that close. We were just being sort of pushed together she by keeps circumstances. That. But Roland figured that out before I did, mm-hmm. and that made me sort of jealous and kind of mean, which mm-hmm. was which was nice. But that's one thing. But in this, Roland completely turns on her and like thinks that she killed the Baron. And right. like stole well, money from Well, there's a there's a there's a servant woman mm-hmm. who a like, nurse who is like hardcore like right wing Omnian mm-hmm. and interprets her taking the pain as killing him basically. Yeah, and she also sees like Tiffany is um, showing the Baron a trick, like mm-hmm. how she uh, you know controls fire, mm-hmm. and it looks like yeah. uh, like she was threatening him a little bit, and the nurse sucks and is terrible and doesn't like tiffany the nurse says you know 
the what I've been doing for the Baron all day to make him feel better is praying for him. Uh-huh. And Tiffany's like, what are you talking about? Also, I am 90% sure by this point Terry Pratchett knew he was dying. Yeah. And the, the, as we get into the last books, mm-hmm. not just the Discworld books, but the last books that he wrote, all of them, there's a lot of shaking his fist at people saying, just pray and right. stuff like that. Like, fuck you, that's not helping me. And you can you can see it already. Yeah. Like, I think that's part of why the death stuff rings so true is because he thinking probably about death. had death on his mind. Yeah. I mean, he talked about this openly. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not like putting words in his mouth. A lot of interviews, he was very frank about it. He's like, yeah, I'm, I know I'm going to be dead in five years probably. And, right. I'm, and if things get too painful, I'm probably going to end it myself and all this. And he was just very frank about it. And it's starting to make its way into the work. In, in a good way. Yeah. You know, use that. You're feeling something very powerful that's part of the human experience. Fucking channel that into your work, man. But, but Roland turns on her. Yes. And she, like, he, he thinks that Tiffany, who he's known since they were kids, who saved him from the fairies, who yeah. they were romantically entangled, even if it was, even if it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've, they've been close. And he thinks that she could have stolen money and killed the Baron. I don't think, like, I mean, he did think that. Yeah. But I don't, like, I didn't, I figured that was probably the Cunning Man or whatever. But I also feel like it was, like, he already, once they started drifting Mm -hmm. apart, once he lost his connection to her Mm -hmm. and his connection to the common people, for want of a better word, he probably started to suck a little. He probably Mm -hmm. started becoming nobility Mm -hmm. and stopped being relatable. And like, I could very easily see him drifting that way. Not this far, but drifting that way anyway. Well, there's a a bit um, where uh, one of the characters, Mrs. Proust, who we'll have to talk about, says um, that the cunning man's like, it's it's like a disease. It sort of creeps up. It's in the wind and it goes from person to person. Poison goes where poison's welcome. Mm -hmm. And there's always an excuse, isn't there, to throw a stone at the old lady who looks funny. Uh, So the idea is that even though the cunning man is making things worse. Mm-hmm. He's only making things worse that were already there. Right. Which means that Roland felt some of these things a little bit. Right. Um, and this is sort of fanned the flames. And Tiffany was just like completely flabbergasted by this. Like yeah, it, but again, it catches it, her dead. It, it goes away so quickly that it's like this was a danger. This was this could have been a danger. This could have been really interesting for about five minutes and then it wasn't again yeah like he he recovers from it pretty quickly it happens in a chapter mm-hmm. and it's like if he'd spent the whole book being a dick that would have been more interesting to me. and then we would have had letitia and tiffany both worrying about what happens if roland finds out that yeah. letitia's a witch right which is all very interesting yeah and so there's another very heartbreaking bit mm-hmm. where uh tiffany has to do her thing mm-hmm. um for a girl who's been abused who's yep. been beaten and turns out she was pregnant and i say girl because she was like 13 or something young. like very yeah. very very young and um the baby dies yep and tiffany has to calm the angry mob mm-hmm. and she very graciously lets the piece of shit father get away mm-hmm. and bury the baby and take care of the girl and it's all it's all like Every now and then it's like you got the, the girl flying on her broomstick mm-hmm. and the Knack McFeagal and all this wackiness and the talking cheese. And then, oh, wait, domestic violence written in a very grounded, realistic, fucking and stark way. This like, was oof. at the opening of the book. Like, this yeah, was it was like chapter first, two or yeah. three. And it introduces this idea of the rough music, which mm-hmm. is the idea that. It's just putting a name to something we've seen before. Yeah, the, the, it's basically the mob. Mm-hmm. Like uh, he he talks about if um, you know, if a woman is beaten too too much, like yeah. there's a correct rule amount. of thumb. Yeah, uh, or uh, things just get too bad, or uh, it, something that becomes too much for the community to bear. Mm-hmm. They basically chase the offender yeah. out of the village. Yeah, and it's kind of the same idea as a lot of the cunning man stuff yeah it, it this, dovetails nice yeah it's this force that can turn like mm-hmm. can turn against you and sometimes it's justified and sometimes it's not and it's just this sort of mob idea right um and it was like that whole sequence was just a 
gut punch. But again, with all the magic and the and the wacky, like there were there was some good sort mm-hmm. of like nuttiness in this, like there always is. But th- this just felt the most real. Mm-hmm. And Tiffany's talking to the piece of shit dad, mm-hmm. and she, she's like, "What? Like what? Why? Why would you do this? What are you like? What mm-hmm. are you thinking?" And he says, "Well, she was." fooling around with this like this other kid Mm -hmm. and doing like being bad and doing what she shouldn't have been and she's too young for that kind of thing and tiffany says so she was too young to be you know to be smooching a boy but not too young to be beaten to death Mm -hmm. like what what yeah and oh so so good it was so tiffany takes uh the girl Mm -hmm. to the feagles Mm -hmm. and the feagles do the thing you were talking about the uh the soothing the soothing yeah which, like, takes away the horrible trauma and everything. Which it is gives good. her enough time for her body to heal so that right. she can then work with the Kelda. The Kelda helps her work through right. work through the trauma. Yeah. And it turns out that she has this sort of natural inclination mm-hmm. to a lot of, like, fegal type things. She can speak fegal. Mm-hmm. And she can, like, she's... She, she can do the soothings. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so she, like... They kind of want her to stay there. Yeah. And, and Amber wants to stay there because yeah. she's safe and loved there. Yeah. And the angry mob hears, oh, the witch took away this little girl from this loving father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, took her to the fairy folk. Yeah. Gave so, her to the fairies. And so Tiffany's away for a bit. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a sec. And when she comes back, uh, the Baron's guys have like swords pointed right at the Fiegel Mound, and they're going to cut the turf and come yeah. after the Fiegel. And this was the most brutal. Like mm-hmm. the Fiegels are, uh, they're always helpful. Mm-hmm. They're always like very strong and capable or whatever. But they're a joke. They're mm-hmm. the drunken rowdy Scotsman. That's their thing. And the way they suddenly become like they will fucking genocide these people. You don't. You don't point something at a Fiegel Mound. You just don't do that. And it's like. It didn't feel out of character, but it felt like, whoa, these guys aren't a joke anymore. Jesus Christ. And Tiffany asks the Feagles, like, well, have I know you fight and fight and fight, but have mm-hmm. you ever killed a human? And they're all like... Why don't you ask something else? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which means yes. Yeah. And if they had, like, come and threatened the Feagle children, yeah, they would have they uh-huh. would have killed those guys. No, and rightfully so. Like, I'm yeah. not I'm not like, oh, he took these whimsical characters no. and made them hardcore. No, it's something happened that... that it made sense. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it just, it it shocked me in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Jesus, these guys aren't just drunk and rowdy. They're they're about to fucking... Yeah, they're dangerous. ...kill some guys. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed all that. So, uh, Tiffany goes away because um, after dealing with Amber and mm-hmm. all of that stuff, she, uh, the Baron dies and she's like, oh crap, uh, Roland needs to know because he's yep. he's the new Baron and he's in Ankh-Morpork right now. And this was, I thought it was going to be a little contrived, mm-hmm. like, oh, here we go. Like, she's going to go to the city and here she's going to meet some familiar people. Mm-hmm. But actually she runs into the watch. She meets Angua, who's been promoted to captain now. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Nice little nod there. She meets Vimes for a minute and it doesn't feel out of place. It feels like, no, she got in trouble when she was in the city. And she ran into the watch. Right, because the Feagles got drunk and rowdy and wrecked up a bar. <laughs> Just decimated a pub mm-hmm. and then rebuilt it again, backwards. They, they rebuilt it again because they realized they got Tiffany in trouble, so they mm-hmm. were trying to fix the problem. Yes. And what was the place called originally? It was called the King... It was the Something's Head. The King's Head, I the think. The King's Head. And when they rebuilt it backwards, they it wasn't called the King's Head anymore. Right. Which uh, I liked. And then Vimes liked it because they started calling it the King's Neck. Which uh-huh. is to think, you know, chop off the king's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was like, good. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right. That's yeah. fine then. So while Tiffany's there, uh, she meets our first city witch, who turns out is the brains behind Bafo. Right. And it turns out that she actually is the um, the model for a lot of like the scary witch masks and mm-hmm. stuff. So she's got like a big nose and like she's pointed. described as like yeah. looking like your classic witch, like yeah. the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz or like Witch Hazel from Looney yeah. Tunes, you know, just like like ugly, warty, big nose. Witch you know. witch. Yeah. Yeah. And she likes that. Yep. She, she like wraps herself in that shit. And I like that. And she takes her power from the city and the stones of the city and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And yeah, because Tiffany says like, well, they all they always gave me crap because witches need to live on rock and chalk isn't rock, but yeah. streets aren't rock. And she's like, are you kidding me? It's nothing it's but rock. rock. Yeah. And 
there's a very winky, winky, nudgy, nudgy thing in the city where there's no witches in the city, right, everyone? Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of women out having parties in the night. Just like... There is no sex work. There are only seamstresses. Right. Same it's, same deal. Yeah. So we all know what that yeah. means. And that, so that's all pretty mm-hmm. interesting. And I continue to be impressed by the the world of witching. Mm-hmm. How many different witch characters he's created, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Proust is a fully realized unique. And which, she doesn't have a lot of screen time either. No, but she's around for a bit. Yeah. And we get we get a sense of what she's like and, and who she is. And her connection to the city. Like, right. everyone knows her. Right. But what I like is all the witches have certain things in common mm-hmm. because they're all witches, but they're all very, very different characters. And it feels like, you know, Terry Pratchett works in sort of archetypes in, mm-hmm. in old stories. And it feels like he should have run out of character types by now. And he keeps coming up with new witches. Like, she's like the 12th distinctive mm-hmm. witch. And that's just super impressive to me. Oh, and there's such a good scene near the end. Because all the witches come because uh, they know the cunning man's there. And that they might have to kill Tiffany afterwards. If mm-hmm. it turns out that she gets taken over or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll have to clean up the mess. Uh, and she has to introduce Mrs. Proust to Granny. And... Oh, there's everyone is dreading that. Yeah. Because Mrs. Proust says, oh, you're just a bunch of like hedge witches out yeah. here. You don't do anything. And and of course, Granny doesn't have time for mm-hmm. city people. And everyone thinks the sparks are going to fly. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of get along. Yeah. They just, they're just, they're just it feels courteous like, to each other. It feels like out of spite. Yeah. Because everyone expects the sparks to fly. And they're just like, no, we're here for Tiffany. Let's not give them the show that they want. <laughs> and I like all of that. Um, and so while we're there, we also run into a very old character from way back in book three or whatever it is. No, thankfully, no. No, Esk from Equal Rights. So this is actually kind of my bad thing. Okay. So I like seeing Esk again. Yeah. Um, and I like the, I enjoy the character and I enjoy her interactions with Tiffany. I liked... I liked hearing, like, this is sort of a retcon, but not in a, like, a rolling my eyes mm-hmm. way. She was the first witch that uh, Granny ever, like, taught. Trained. yeah. Because if you think about it, that was so long ago, yep. Granny probably would have been a bit young to us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay, I buy that. And it's nice that they have this in common. Right. And so this is the first and last witch yes. that Granny's going to teach. But she comes in to basically info dump. Yeah, there's a bit uh, of info dump and there's a bit of deus ex machina with some of her stuff. Yeah, she comes to tell, like, Tiffany can't figure out what the hell is going on, like, mm-hmm. with all of the people turning against her and this smell and there's a man with no eyes following her and mm-hmm. she doesn't understand what's happening. And Esk just sort of tells her. Yeah. And mm. then that's it. It didn't bother me. I understand why it is a little clumsy, but... it's For a book... That is so good in so many ways. Yeah. It it it's telling. It it is I just clumsy. I liked I liked seeing her again and that that won a couple of points. Mm-hmm. I liked him sort of bringing things way back to the very beginning, the first granny story. And I I don't know. Like I bet you didn't like her time stuff because you don't like time I stuff. I don't like time stuff and I goddamn hate like recursive stuff. It wasn't exact there was a bit of there was one bit of that. Yuck. But Ugh. It also was used to set up a very, very excellent bit mm-hmm. at the end where Esk brings who is a woman who is clearly Tiffany when yeah, she's old. Yeah, future Tiffany. Now, the title of this book is something Tiffany says a bunch. Yep. And I think it's a weird, clumsy turn of phrase for mm-hmm. someone to just say, when I'm old, I shall wear midnight. Well, you said that um, you're finding in some of these later books that characters are talking like the narrator instead of talking yeah, like themselves. Yeah, Tiffany especially. Like, yeah. she's book smart in a way that nobody else around her is. Mm-hmm. And she would have a larger vocabulary and she would describe things a certain way that no one else would. But uh, it still doesn't feel quite right coming out of her sometimes. Um, but uh, Esk at the end brings old Tiffany mm-hmm. just for a minute. Just like, here, look, everything's going to be okay, mm-hmm. see? And she's wearing Midnight. That's the payoff to that. But but I Shall Wear Midnight is such a weird, like, it's a cool title for the book. Mm-hmm. But for a thing for Tiffany to say a bunch, it just it didn't feel and right. And there's a nice bit at the end where Tiffany is, like, laying out, like, under the night sky. And mm-hmm. she wears Midnight then the same yeah. way she wears, you know, I, the yeah, land. Yeah, but it's it still just felt like a weird... It, it's weird for her to say it. 
But again, it paid off because she saw this woman mm-hmm. and she immediately knew, well, she looks like me and she's wearing black. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it's it. It's me. But what happens is this sets up probably the best last line of a mm-hmm. book of any book. So uh, she's she's seen her older self and she says, but I have got a question, said Tiffany, and it's one I want to know the answer to. Well, do be quick, said old Tiffany. The elasticated string thingy or whatever it is that Escarina uses does not allow us very much time. Well, Tiffany said, can you at least tell me, do I ever get old Tiffany faded, smiling into nothingness? But Tiffany heard one word. It sounded like, listen. And so it's like, okay, whatever. That's a, that's a little mysterious. Heart, yeah, whatever. whatever. But no, here's the last line of the book. She's hanging out with Preston, who we definitely need to talk about yeah. next. Um, and it says, he said, Miss Tiffany the witch, would you be so good as to tell me what is the sound of love? Tiffany looked at his face. The noise from the tug of war was silence. The birds stopped singing. In the grass, the grasshoppers stopped rubbing their legs together and looked up. The earth moved slightly, as even the chalk giant, perhaps, strained to hear, and the silence flowed over the world until there was all there was was Preston, who was always there. And Tiffany said, listen. Very good. Last line of the book. Hmm. Very good. Hmm. So, old Tiffany was kind of a like a, uh, yeah, this is this old trope, but it really paid off, because what she asked was, Will I ever be in love? Will I ever right. get married? Something along those lines. And old Tiffany's like, yeah, you're you're going to be okay. Yeah. Wink. And I liked that. So let's talk about Preston. Let's talk about her new boyfriend. Yeah, so Preston is um, another real bookish type. Yeah, he's a thinks, guard yeah. at, at the Baron's Castle. And he's not really into guarding. It's just he can't do anything else and he's got to do something. No, near the end of the book, he's mm-hmm. going to go off and do something else, which we'll talk about yeah. in a sec. And... There's a great bit mm-hmm. where Tiffany says, if the sergeant can spare him. Yeah, from his and his military the, prowess. The sergeant just like lays into this sarcastic, mm-hmm. well, gee, I don't know if we can manage without Lance Private Preston, but we'll just have to get on somehow. And it's very good. He says something like, I think our military prowess might increase slightly. Yeah, exactly. Like, because Preston's not fucking good at it. No, he's a he's a book nerd who really is is like inclined to be a doctor, mm-hmm. but like being an apprentice is expensive, and being a doctor apprentice is expensive and takes forever. Yeah, and he can't like he he's can't got do the, it. He doesn't have any money. He's got the aptitude, mm-hmm. but fucking capitalism kills us all, man. Yeah, and you Tiffany know. talks about how everyone she has a, an opportunity to find out what she's good at, mm-hmm. witching, and she wants everyone else to have that same opportunity, and that's so good. No, I I definitely want to talk more about that. In a minute. <sighs> yes. But I want to talk about Preston mm-hmm. first. He's he's odd mm-hmm. in a very specific way. He's he's also read the dictionary. He thinks about words and the way they sound and That's the way they taste what the same I, way Tiffany yeah, does. What I what that last passage yeah. that I read about what love sounds like. They talk amongst themselves throughout the latter part of the book about what words should sound mm-hmm. like versus what they like what they sound like, not what the actual vowels and consonants sound like but what the word should sound like like something should sound shiny and round and like right. that sort of thing yeah. yeah and it was it was all very good and he's he's fantastic mm-hmm. and he helps her and sort of hinders the the um the duchess mm-hmm. and he's just he's a, he's he, a... he plays stupid Mm-hmm. Because he's smart enough to know that sometimes playing smart isn't going to get you. What nobody, you want. nobody, nobody wants. It. Nobody wants a sixteen-year-old guard who's smarter than they mm-hmm. are. Like just, just play dumb, and it's all very good. And I buy their connection. Yep. And I buy that they're falling in love. And I assume they're still together in the next book, but I seriously don't remember. I think they are. Um. Yeah. It doesn't it's, matter. It's a lot of them rushing back and forth trying to see each other while they're oh, both really busy. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I enjoy all that. And then so at the end, this is one of the great Pratchett mm-hmm. like epilogues mm-hmm. where he wraps up. And that's why I thought this was the last book, because uh, she gets Roland's favor. He's he's he owes happy. Her. He owes her big time. He's also sorry about what happened yeah. before. She saved the world again. And, and wedded him to his wife, technically. Yep. They're and, not going to tell anyone that. But... And he feels guilty because he acted like a dick. Yeah, and they have a history, yeah. and now that he's okay again, he mm-hmm. recognizes that, and he knows that she wouldn't abuse any kind of favor because mm-hmm. she's looking out for the rest of the people, which is what he should be doing anyway. So he basically says, you can have the money back if you want it, yeah. that you allegedly stole from my father, but we know was just a gift. And she says, I don't want it. However, I want this. And the, and it's like sort of like the, we, we need to do dartboard scene, yep. except... She basically takes care of the entire village. Mm-hmm. She wants to build a school. 
rather than these fucking wandering teachers mm-hmm. that only teach you half a day's knowledge for an apple. I want a permanent school where people can learn and learn to read because look how valuable a skill that is. Mm-hmm. And I want Preston to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and everything. And she wants there to be scholarships so that, right. like I was saying before, she found out what she was good at and what, and that has paid to society over and yes. over and over again. It's like how many people are happier and alive because I found out what I was supposed to be. Imagine, More people should, yeah. imagine what the world could be like. It's if like we a, all did that. It's like a it's like a more effective version of what Varence is trying mm-hmm. to do with Lanker. Mm-hmm. Only she's doing it right. He's kind of an idiot. And um I really like that there she doesn't ask for a single selfish thing. It's nope. all to help everyone else. And it's great. And it, this comes up earlier in um uh, the the girl Amber, who's messing around with this boy. Mm-hmm who it turns out is very good with clothes. Yeah, he's like, a dressmaker. Extremely good. Mm-hmm. But again, you buying yourself into an apprenticeship mm-hmm. and all that. And one of the reasons that the shitty father doesn't approve is because that's a girly Yeah, you're vocation. doing you're doing girl work. Yeah. You know, some kind of gay boy. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, some kind of gay boy knocked up your daughter. Yeah. How does how does that, that work sounds, exactly? I have I know. I have I know. heard that logic. But Terry Pratchett's correct to mm-hmm. uh identify and observe that this happens and he's also on the right side mm-hmm. of it which is fuck that guy boys can make dresses it's mm-hmm. okay though there was some of terry pratchett's wife there were like, there there were a few what, his wife stick in this again yeah but yes also the fact that uh, a boy should be allowed to thrive in what is perceived as yeah. a feminine thing which it isn't but also even if it were yeah he should be allowed to is is great. And one of the things Tiffany does is like, and him right there, he makes beautiful dresses and he should be allowed to make beautiful dresses. And he made your wife's beautiful dress yeah. for her wedding day. And oh yeah, it was beautiful. You're right. And so that's all great. So it's it's just, she ties everything up and everyone's taken care of and everybody's happy. And it's like, this is, this is so. It felt like the end. Yeah. Yeah. This is so sweet. And there's another one and it's great too. Mm-hmm. But it all, it all wrapped up nicely. And I love what a good witch she's become, what mm-hmm. a good person she's become, what a caretaker she's become. That's actually um, my good thing, mm-hmm. is um, her and Nanny Og spend some more time together in this. And at the Baron's funeral, um, everyone's sad because it's yeah. a funeral and he's dead. Um, and Nanny starts singing uh, his favorite song to honor him. And that gets the entire crowd... Up and moving love and, and remembering instead of just being sad. I and... love that that shows Nanny's so much dick jokes. Mm-hmm. That's And I love that about her. Don't get me wrong. She's one of my favorite characters. But it's nice to remind us every now and then she brings something to the table that none of these other witches can do. Yep. Like, Tiffany's better with people than Granny is, but she couldn't pull off something like no, this. Only someone like Nanny Og can do this. The pa- It's really short. The passage is, the echoes were of loss and remembrance. And the hall itself breathed. I should have learned this, Tiffany thought. I wanted to learn fire and pain, but I should have learned people. I should have learned how not to sing like a turkey. Like, <laughs> just that. I like the, I like the subtle pull. Like, Tiffany mm-hmm. sees Granny and she's like, ooh, yeah, I want to be like that. Yeah. But then every now and then she's like, but she's angry and alone. But do not do like I want to be like that? Yeah. Or do I want to be like her? Mm-hmm. The other woman in Langer who's great. But mm, do I want three husbands, though? Mm. Maybe there's a middle ground mm-hmm. here. And I, I, I just, I love, and then Nanny goes right back to form because um, Tiffany tries her best to, like, explain to um, Letitia. Letitia, thank you, that uh, what's expected of her on her and, wedding night. And Letitia says, oh, well, I'm sure boys will know all about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Tiffany, uh, Tiffany only knows this in the abstract yeah. because she's a farmer's daughter and because she's delivered babies. But, but she's... she she knows that Roland doesn't know anything about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because the only semi-serious girlfriend mm-hmm. she's had is her and they didn't do anything. So, you know, yeah. she knows of sex and she knows the mechanics of it, but she doesn't know any more than, you know, anybody else. And she does her best. And then when Nanny shows up, Tiffany's like, oh, thank God. Can you make sure I got this right? Can you go and tell, like... You will... So she gives her sex talk 2.0, yeah. and, yeah. like, it's everything you would expect it to be. It's very good. It's so fucking good. Ah, uh, I love them. Um, So I'm going to do my quote, because yes. we're starting to run... Uh, yep. Starting to got? run on time. Um, 
And this has doesn't have anything to do with anything. It That's was okay. just nice. Okay. Um, this is Tiffany and uh, Preston talking. Um, I have to say, for a self-taught man, he's a pretty good poet. Good grasp of the metaphor. Oh, talking about the sergeant. Yep. They were all written to someone called Millie. That would be his wife, said Tiffany. You must have noticed her in the village. More freckles than anyone I've ever seen. She's very sensitive about it. Preston nodded. Well, that might explain why his latest poem is entitled, What Good Is the Sky Without Stars? That was so sweet. Like, do we just this, the the vision of this this hard sergeant who's who's mm-hmm. ashamed for anyone to know that he's a poet and mm-hmm. not only a poet but a po- like a very sentimental poet. Yeah, just writing sweet. about how much he loves his wife. Yeah, and just that phrase is so yeah good. It feels he's good yeah. at that. He's good at that genuine sentiment, mm-hmm. like in a way that would feel clumsy or manipulative mm-hmm. from another author. But he's very I good. I don't. At- I am not a sentimental person. No, you're not. And that I, doesn't usually and work on I you. I don't like sentiment because for the most part, I feel emotionally- It feels like a trick. Yeah, I feel like I'm being emotionally manipulated and you will not manipulate my emotions. But this feels so true. Yes. And it, No, he's good yeah. at that. It's oh, just like the Baron thing that I read. So good. It's just, he's very good at that. Uh, the only thing that we didn't get to that I really wanted to was um, the Feagles run into We Mad Arthur. Yes. Uh, who is in The Watch. Uh, and- Turns out he was a Fiegel adopted by, what was it? Gnomes. Some, gnomes? Was it Gnomes? Yeah. Okay. And didn't realize he was a Fiegel. And he's got this great just little arc where he discovers who his people are. And he doesn't lose any of his refined city ways. Like he goes to the ballet and he bathes, which to Fiegels is like a sin. And But he's he loves that he's one of the lads now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's and he's a cop, which yeah. the Fiegels are like a little embarrassed about. Yeah, because they don't. But... but they're like, wait a minute. Now we have a cop on our mm-hmm. side. Just like they now they have a lawyer. Yes. Yeah. The toad comes back, which is great. And there's a bit at the end where, because of what happened with the mound, mm-hmm. one of the things Tiffany demands is you will make the Feagles autonomous. You will give mm-hmm. them, like, they own their mound. It's theirs. But you're they're part of your, your right. barony. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I, I would have done that anyway. Like, I they deserve my protection and they deserve to be left alone. And so it's a nice little callback at, near the end. Where they're like mm-hmm. they had modified their their clan, saying slightly, "Nay, king, nay, lord, but a baron," which by, is very good. by mutually agreed. Right, 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 right. Which was very good. Um. So let me. Uh. The speaking of we mad Arthur, my yes. pune or play on. Oh, words, this was very yes. good. It's it's a this one is a little long. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a walk. It's also subtle. It really yeah. slips in under the radar if you're not paying attention. It's good though. Yeah. My dad made me these boots. He said, and I couldn't bring myself to tell him I didn't like boots on my feet. The whole family had been making and repairing shoes for hundreds of years again, but I wasn't a good at the cobbling at all. Then one day all the elders of the tribe called me to get called uh, me together and told me I was a lost foundling. They was moving to a new camp, and they had found me a tiny wee baron sobbing by the road, right next to a sparrow hawk that I had strangled to death after it snatched me from the cradle, they reckoned. They reckoned it was taking me home to feed it to its chicks, and the old gnomes put their hats together and said that while they were very happy to let me stay— uh, what with being able to bite foxes to death and everything, it might be time for me to go out into the big world and find out who my people were. Well, laddie, you have found them, said Rob, anybody, slapping on the back. You did well to listen to that load of old cobblers. Ah, oh, very good. Oh, very and good. I only knew that was an expression from the previous yeah. books. Like, it's one of those sort of specifically British expressions that I wasn't familiar with. So, yes, I quite liked that. That's one of the few puns that you weren't like... That it wasn't a boo. groaner where it was like, yeah. that is a... No, I honestly... As much as I pretend to groan, and I groan at the ones we we pull yeah. out. But this wasn't a groaner. No, what I'm saying is sometimes he can just pl- do a very clever play on words, and he does it a lot. He does it, like, we don't point it out that much, because it's more fun to point no, out the, the bad ones. No, we're usually bringing out the groaners. But he does it a fair amount, where it's such a clever choice of naming a character, mm-hmm. or such a, you know, whatever. All right, so do you have anything else? No. Okay, what is your grade? Uh, this was an A. If Same. it hadn't, if the, the climax of the book had been a little better, mm-hmm. this would have been an A+. Plus. It was an excellent read. It was easy to read. This was yes. one we finished in about two sittings because we're like... Mm. Yeah, we're like we're still in the depths of the quarantine yes. and we're getting through these about in a week. And this one took us three or four days cause because we just... We just kept like, we could go do something else. We usually do else. an hour or two of book a night. Yeah. But it's like, you know what? But I want to see the next bit, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is very good. It's also easier in these 
books in these and the moist books because there's chapters. Yeah. And the thing is, I understand that he never thought in chapters and it was unnatural to him. But when you're reading, it's nice to have a natural starting and stopping point. Damn it. He's dead. He can't hear me. All right. Cliche count. Uh, three gingerlies, one surreptitious, no quantums, no something that happened to other people, no leopard changing his shorts, thank Christ, but six susturations. This might be the book that put that one no, in I think, it for me. I think it was probably the first one where she's going susurrus, surus, surus, because this is a payoff to that. Mm-hmm. It comes up so much in this book because um, new boy. Preston. Thank you. I wanted to say Roland. That's the that's the old one. Yep. Preston is specifically fascinated with that word as well, and they have that in common immediately. It's so specific and very good. All right. Anything else? No, we should stop. Very well. Next time is the final watch book. Meh. Snuff. I like it, but I like Sam Vimes, so what are you going to do? We'll see. Maybe I'll like it better this time around. We'll see. It's fine. All right. This has been a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2020 and 2021. For our full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening. 